I want those championing freedom, the patriots of peace, the ones who march into our schools, handcuff our history, hold our imaginations hostage, the so-called American dreamers, I want them to uncage their hearts, to cast off their chains of fear, to remember the bedtime stories that comforted them when nightmares chase sleep away. Alrighty, welcome in, kiddos. This is another fine week of your favorite political podcast, Alabama Politics This Week, with Josh Moon and David Person. I'm going to uh, start this week with a bit of an apology. Hmm. Uh, and I don't know if I should apologize or not, uh, mm-hmm. because I don't remember a whole hell of a lot about what I said last week, <laughs> just to be honest with you. Uh, man, I was so sick last week. I, uh, it was, I was, I was serious, man. I was, I was hurting pretty good when we were doing the, uh, uh, the podcast last week. And I, uh, I, I remembered at some point later, uh, to, you know, talking to Anthony Daniels and him mentioning something about, uh, McClammy, Representative McClammy. I wanted to make sure that it was right. But, uh, otherwise, man, I, I was, uh, I was in rough shape. And so if I, if I sounded out of it, it's because I was, uh, I was, I had, uh, had fever and strep and the whole thing. And so, oh, you had strep. Uh, wow. Oh, yeah, man. We were, and we had some serious fever going on with that thing, too. I, okay. I would, own, I was telling a friend of mine yesterday, I would almost be willing to bet you that there that there was some uh, some COVID in, in mixed in with all that, just mm-hmm. because I, you know, the fog that people talk about. I had that where my brain just wouldn't work right for a couple of days. Uh, had a had a, a just a weird taste in my mouth, which doesn't mm-hmm. typically come from strep. I've had strep a lot in my life, and mm-hmm. uh, and I've never I've never had it quite like that, and so. Anyways, but we're 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 all good today. So uh, if you know if I said anything crazy or crazier than normal, which would oh, be hard. Okay, so we'll see. When you said you started with an apology, I was thinking, what did he say last week? What was the problem? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I just don't know. I just don't know. And and, and what I fear more than anything was that it, it, I just was you know uh, really dumb or really uh, really out there on something. And so mm. you know, I, I don't. Nobody nobody wrote and said anything. So uh, okay. I don't. It's you know. But we'll see. Um, yeah, let's start with um, our prison project mm-hmm. that we have. Uh, as we know, as we know, uh, a little more than or right at a year ago, right at a year ago now, uh, we uh, we approved the construction of three mega prisons. Is that right? Is it three or is it just two? Uh, I believe it's just two at this point. Oh, that are currently under construction. Well, there's nothing there. As far as I know, there's only one that is technically under construction, right? Because the Escambia County one has not started. So the Elmore County one is the only one that is currently, quote unquote, under construction, although I don't know how much work is actually taking place at the the site. Okay. Um, Well, this is, I mean, the the money that was just approved is for two prisons. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think. So I think the plan was for just two prisons, but I think they're, they're, the money is, has been divided up between them. And so they, they have two different, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, they have, they've created an entity within the state that mm-hmm. goes out and gets the funding for these prisons. Mm-hmm. And, and so the funding for the first prison is what they are currently working on, uh, or what we're, what we're going to be discussing today is the funding for this current one. Now, the but overall I, price tag— 
Yeah, but I thought the whole plan was designed to fund two prisons, though. Oh, it is. No, it, it is. But what I'm saying is, is so so the whole plan, they, they've, they've approved it, the whole the overall plan, but we've only started on the one at this point. We've only started on the Elmore County thing. Mm-hmm. So we, we've gotten a, we have a plan and I believe they have uh, some basic stuff underway with the, with the Escambia County one, but mm-hmm. they have not yet gotten to the same spot that they were with the Elmore County one. If, I, I believe that's right. Maybe it's yeah, not. That's, you know that's what? correct. As far as I can tell, that's correct. Okay. Yeah. okay. Uh, all right. So we're at Elmore County. Uh, the mm-hmm. Elmore County portion of this was going to be capped at $625 million, which right. is an outrageous amount of money for a prison. Mm-hmm. Or so we thought. <laughs> but as it turns out, it can be 50% more outrageous. Uh, mm-hmm. Because in a room yesterday with seven people, this uh, prison finance co- uh, group uh, that is made up of uh, seven people it, it appears, uh, sat around the table and voted that they needed to increase the cap uh, for because of inflation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they needed to increase this cap to be able to afford to build the prison in Elmore County, sending it from a cap of 625 to a cap of $975 million. Now, before we talk about how outrageous that is, I would first like to point out that we are less than a year into the actual construction of this. I have seen pictures of this site as recently as a month ago, and there is no foundation laid for anything. They're, they've done some clearing work. They've done some, some other things, moved some stuff around. As far as I can tell, there has been no actual building of anything on this site. And somehow we have already increased it by $350 million for a prison that is not set to open until 2026. Mm -hmm. So I've got to imagine that this will not be the last bump up in cost that we're going to incur incur in this, Mm -hmm. which means that for one prison, one prison that I will remind you is smaller than the prisons, it is or the the beds that it's replacing. We have few, we're going to have fewer beds in this place than what we're we're proposing to replace. It's going to be more than a billion dollars. Right, All right. And the legislature, of course, had already approved. Uh, I think it was back in uh, twenty yeah twenty twenty one. They had already approved. billion for two prisons. So you're saying at this particular point, it looks like if, if things continue as as, uh, on the same track that we're on currently, Mm -hmm. that amount is going to be swallowed up by nearly one prison. Yeah. Yes. So the thing that I continue to not understand, Josh, is how we can say in this state we can find no money. Now, I understand the feds are involved, and I understand there's federal pressure here to, uh, to, to get our prison system straightened out. I understand mm-hmm. that, that there's significant outside pressure. But still having said that, 
I don't understand how in this state we can say we can find, you know, uh, over a billion dollars, you know, for a prison, maybe a prison and a half if we're lucky. Mm-hmm. And, and yet we can't find money to expand Medicaid. This is what I don't understand. <laughs> well, uh, you, you or I, either one. And, and I mean, look, let's, let's be, look, before we get into some other things about this, let's yeah. be honest about what this is. Okay. Yeah. This is not a prison project. This is an economic development project. All yeah. right. This is what this is. This is a handout to construction pals and donors and, and things like that. The folks that have, that are going to come into the harbors of the world that are managing some of these things and some of the other big construction company and some of the lumber suppliers and some of the, uh, you know, the, the people that are going to come in. This is going to be an economic development project for a couple of towns in, in this state. Uh, you know, that they're going to make some money off of this. Uh, the construction pro- folks are going to bring some jobs in. So that, that's what, that's what a lot of this has to do with. Okay. It doesn't know the people involved in it. They don't care if they if they cared about actually building a good uh, prison or or fixing the problems that we have within our prison uh, through construction. What we would do is is a, lo- a number of renovations probably on the on some of the structures that we have, uh, bring them up to date, and then also maybe build one facility uh, for far less money than this. Uh, because th- this is nonsense. I mean, this is this is this is utter nonsense. What we're talking about doing right here, it doesn't solve any of the problems. It just throws money out into a big pile for some some friends to come along and take some of it. Well, and as I think you've pointed out in the past, or or maybe we both have pointed out in the past, um, the the legal problems that our prison system is facing are f- the legal problems it's facing. Uh, have to do with mental health care, medical care, accommodations for inmates with disabilities. Uh, we know that the, these prisons have been inundated with drugs and, and weapons. We mm-hmm. know that violence is a major issue. So merely constructing new prisons isn't going to solve those issues. You've got to come up with, uh, and I, and obviously I'm no expert on this, but common sense tells me that you've got to come up with programs and strategies to deal with that sort of thing that have nothing to do with construction. Now, construction may play a role to some extent if mm-hmm. you're talking about having facilities that will uh, can accommodate providing uh, better health care and, and so forth. And I get that. All right, that's fine. But mm-hmm. we know that that's not the whole, that doesn't solve the problem, merely allocating a billion or or even two billion dollars isn't going to solve the fundamental problems that yeah. we are facing in our prisons. That's common sense. No, it is. It is common sense. Uh, it, it what 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 really angers me about this is the indifference that so many people seem to have towards it. Okay, because I, I want to point out something else to you. Okay, and Kyle Whitmire did a did a pretty good job of this. And when we wrote about it as well at APR back when it was happening, and, and we've pointed it out since then. Uh, if you'll recall, back in 2019, there was a prison plan. Okay. It called for the construction of three new prisons and massive renovations at Tutwiler Prison. Okay. Do you know how much that prison plan cost? It was $900 million. Mm. Okay. Mm-hmm. But we had four prisons. Mm. 
So somewhere along the way, we've lost two prisons. Right. And now one prison costs more <laughs> than the original four prisons. Right. Right. So, and, and now listen, you can scream inflation all you want to, all right? But no. Okay, that ain't inflation, my man. That's that's highway robbery is what that is. All right, because that's that that's nonsense. You can't you can't tell me now that we can we're only going to be able to get one prison for less or for for more money than what we were going to pay for four. That's not that doesn't that doesn't compute to anybody. Okay, sounds like yeah, sounds like something else is going on beyond just yeah. inflation. Yeah, yeah, and so. Yeah. But but here's the other thing. Here's the other thing. You know, uh, we we've made a big deal about Kay Ivey saying, "Well, we need to be more transparent in government. We need to be more transparent with what we're doing." When people ask to see the particulars of this and to and to discover why it is that that the price had ballooned over the course of because when we first uh, so let's just take it back. Forget what we know right now. Okay, let's take this back to pre uh, to to the pre inflationary. Uh, Causes that that might have come along. We were still talking about two billion dollars to build two prisons, right? Mm-hmm. We were so we're, we're one point we're one point two billion to build 1. two. 3, let's just put yeah. it that. Yeah. Let's just mm-hmm. let's just do it that one point two billion to build two. So we still lost two prisons, and we're still paying more for the two mm-hmm. prisons that we were going to build, right? We were going to pay t- more for two two prisons than we were for four. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. what the hell happened there? Yeah, yeah. Because this was only well, a matter of two years now. This is this is twenty twenty one. Yeah, well, this is where um, this is where it really gets frustrating because I think the kinds of questions that we're asking should be questions that are being asked also by <clears throat> our state legislators. Mm-hmm. You know this uh, this this committee of people that comprises. Um, the um, let's see, what is it called? The Alabama Corrections Institution Finance Authority. Yes, you know, it seems to me like the legislature ought to be questioning them the same way you and I are right now. Yeah, they ought to you be. Think, wouldn't you? <clears throat> they ought. They ought to. Be, they ought to be hauling these people in front of a committee, the legislative committee, which includes the governor mm-hmm. and the state finance director, and. And they ought to be, and even some lawmakers are on there. They ought to be hauling them in front of the, yeah. and, and, and getting some concrete answers on this. Yeah, it and is a bipartisan committee, I'll point about, out, because I know Bobby Singleton is on that committee. Well, they, they ought to be asking, they yes. ought to be asking him and the rest of them, not just him, but all of them, you know, what is, what is going on? What's the explanation for this? You know, and even further, if we're going to spend, you know, if we're going to go into debt, and and that's really, I think, the other part of this, you know, this isn't money that Alabama just has lying, you know, sitting around in piggy banks. I mean, there's there's going to be a, an accrual of debt here. If we're going to go into debt, you know, to the tunes of, of hundreds of millions of dollars or even maybe a billion dollars, you know, then, you know, uh, we need justification for this. And we yeah. also need to make sure that this expenditure is going to address all of the problems that we are currently facing. You know, uh, this lawsuit that we've been under for some nine years or so, you know, related to uh, problems in the prison system, you know. And, and let's also think about this, Josh. While all of this 
foot dragging or whatever you want to call it is going on related to the construction of these prisons. In the meantime, in the meantime, people are still dying in our prisons on a regular basis. In fact, there was a point in time where it seemed like it was almost every week somebody was dying in a in a prison somewhere, a prison oh. or jail somewhere in Alabama. It's still happening every week. It's still you know? happening. We, yeah, we we've got our, our got John uh, John Glenn. He he writes about this all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it's uh, at APR, and he writes about all of these deaths that occur. I, I know I've read this week that three have died. Um, so it, you know that that being said, then you know. I'm thinking that at some point more scrutiny is going to follow because each one of those deaths is probably going to, uh, at least to some degree, warrant an investigation. And you got to question what that's going to lead to. You got to question what impact that's going to have on the current legal problems and the Justice Department's current issues with our prison system. I mean, so. Um, you know, it's like we almost have a perennial issue here. It's just not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. And and it's going to continue to cost us money. And then and then I'm going to say one final thing. And I and I don't have any, you know, I haven't seen any paperwork. You know, I haven't had I haven't had conversations off the record with anybody. But I just find it hard to believe that with this much money on the table. And with this lack of transparency about that amount of money, mm-hmm. that there's not something nefarious going on. It's hard for me to believe that somebody's pockets mm-hmm. aren't being lined that, you know, that, that, that should not be lined. Mm-hmm. It's hard for me to believe that somebody's not on the take. It just really is. I'm just being honest. Oh. Now, I'm not pointing fingers at any one person. You know, um, Mm -hmm. but it's hard for me to believe that there's somebody who's it's hard for me to believe that there isn't at least one entity or one person who is not benefiting from this, who should not be benefiting from. Oh, I think that if we were to dig down, if we had the ability, because I don't think we have the ability at this point uh, to dig down uh, through through these numbers. I would almost guarantee you that there is waste, uh, that there is, I don't know if you could, I don't know if you could necessarily get it to the point of criminal fraud, uh, because, you know, there, there are some hurdles that you have to get to, 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 to prove some of that. But I would guarantee you that most people, it would stink to high heaven for a lot of people um, you know, some folks who have gotten money for doing certain jobs, uh, th- people who have wasted money on certain things. I mean, I, I've yeah. heard of a couple now, you know, mm-hmm. uh, I've heard of a couple already that mm-hmm. uh, a lot of money has flowed through and they ain't done a whole lot of work mm-hmm. uh, for it. Um, and, and it just, it's a shame. It really is a shame that we're just wasting this amount of money on this. Yeah. And and this is again, we're talking about Alabama. We're not talking about California or yeah. New York, you know, where you know the tax dollars flowing in, you know, would 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 dwarf this amount of money. I mean, we're talking about a, a state that's poor. Uh-huh. We're talking about a state that already disproportionately uh, gets 
money from the federal government to offset its own deficits and its own needs. Yeah. We're a poor state. So yeah. to see this happening here just makes it all the more just offensive to me. Yeah. Well, and, and listen, there are two other points here that we need to we need to say, um, because um, as, as has been pointed out by our friend uh, Chris England, um, mm-hmm. uh, this cost that we're talking about is the principal. This is not mm-hmm. the interest that we're going to pay over the course of this 30 year basically loan that we're taking out to pay for these prisons. OK, mm-hmm. this is the principle that we're going we're going to put down on this. This is how much it's actually going to cost. And then we're going to pay a lot more than that over the course over the life of this thing. Mm-hmm. And here's his other big point about this. At the end of that 30 years, we will own neither the land nor the buildings. That's really just astonishing to me. So every time we talk about this and I hear that point being made, I'm thinking that that just makes how does that make any sense to anybody? I, I don't I, I mean, I don't know. And, and you know, and we, we've talked to him about this and we, we know we know because he, he told us, you know, and it's not like I, I you know, bring up Chris because, you know, he's, he's a very smart guy and he thinks about things, which is a novel way to approach stuff in, in this state, especially in our state government, is, you know, he thinks things through. And, you know, but but what he's talking about here isn't hard to figure out. You know, when he talked about how over the course of this thing, these folks are going to be, you know, this is our prisons that we're going to lease from somebody. Well, you know, we're going to have things that we've got to, you know, cost overruns. And and immediately, you remember we had him on, he talked about immediately we're going to pack these prisons uh, to you know, to overcapacity again mm-hmm. because they're smaller than what we're replacing. Okay, mm-hmm. we're going to have fewer mm-hmm. beds, and you can tell me all you want that we're going to be able to put people in different pods, and that's going to make it a little safer. Okay, but it's not going to solve the overcrowding. And when you overcrowd these buildings like this over a long period of time, it makes it less safe, and it also puts more wear and tear on the prison building itself, which yeah. is going to lead to more costs for, for these prisons. And, and it's just, we're going to spend a gigantic amount of money on this. Mm-hmm. When we, look, let's, do you not think that there is a way that we could go out and, and, and renovate some of the, you know, determine which facilities could be renovated, which are in, in good structural uh, sound structural uh, uh, buildings, and and that we could you know we could go into those things, renovate them to the point that they are much better than what they are. Upgrade the facilities, provide the medical facilities uh, that we need, and and they these things would be so much better. Yeah. Um, and and then take the money that we would spend on this and devote it to the programs. Yeah. So so Josh. You've been around this thing as a reporter a very long time, longer than I've been around it as a reporter. Um, I We've talked ad nauseum about the problem. Mm-hmm. You know, what I want to know is what can be done to try to, well, and maybe, and the answer may be nothing, but yeah. I've still got to ask the question. At this particular juncture, what can be done to straighten this situation out? I mean, what can be done to bring transparency to it? 
What yeah. can be done to bring better accountability to it? We've talked about our, our friend Chris England. We know there are others like Chris who are concerned about this issue. What can be done? What can they be doing? Or, or are they in a position even to do something that's not being done currently? I, honestly, I don't, I don't know the answer to that. And the reason I don't know the answer to that is because I'm not familiar enough with the specifics of the bond issues uh, in this, and and where where we are left at this point, and what uh, what our options might be if we wanted to back out of this, or you know, and and legally where where things are. I, I mean, I can't imagine that if the construction of this thing. You know, I was reading some of the quotes of this uh, earlier, and, and I mean, you know, they were talking about why it went from six twenty-five to nine seventy-five, and and Bill Poole, our finance director, said, "Well, you know, the, those estimates were based on a very early design, and and we knew that was not going to be the final design, and so the final design plus inflationary uh, cost, right? You know, increases uh, have have raised the price up that much. Mm. What are you talking about?" This is the, the, these the design of this thing. It's not. This is not the first prison that has been built ever. Okay, this is not the first prison that's been built by these the companies that are going to be building this thing. This is not. Uh, it's. There's no way it increased fifty percent on this. Okay, that either either you lied to begin with or you're lying about something now. Okay, either you knew this was never going to be the cost of this thing. Which I, is what I suspect is they knew this was never going to be the cost of this prison, uh, and they just put it on paper to get it passed. Which I, I don't know, really understand how that could pass more so than just saying you're going to spend a billion dollars on a prison. I'll, but but actually, I guess I do know because saying you're going to you're going to spend a billion dollars per prison really turns a lot of people off. Um, but you know, it, th- there's just. I don't know. To answer your question, I don't know. I don't know what what the options are at this point. I don't know why it is that these this handful of people on this board can go in and say, oh, yeah, we need another three hundred and twenty five million dollars or three hundred and fifty million dollars. How is that possible? Mm. How is that possible that Mm. these group, this group of people can just say we're going to spend another three hundred and fifty million taxpayer dollars just in a room on a random Wednesday? You know? Yeah. Well, How can doesn't that it be? have something to do with the fact that the and I mean I understand what you're saying, but I but I'm but I'm uh, I and I agree with the with the concept that it shouldn't be so easy. But didn't the legislature already sort of pave the way for that? With oh, the decision uh, yes, they I'm, made several years ago. I, I believe that is correct. I'm not saying these people have done anything illegal or or yeah. or, any, or nefarious or anything like that. that that's not what I'm saying. Mm. I'm just saying I. It's just too I, doggone easy. Yeah, I mean, we we've got to basically hold a parade to pass, you know, a thousand dollars, you know, to get a thousand dollars approved for most anything else. And what? So what are we? How how is it possible that these folks can just go into a room on a Wednesday afternoon and say, "Hey, you know those prisons? We need another three hundred twenty-five million dollars." Yeah, you know. I, that's that's all I'm saying. How yeah. how is yeah. that? Does it not have to be approved by somebody else? Does yeah. somebody else not have to take a look at it and go, wait a minute, we don't have three hundred twenty five million dollars laying around? You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, surely there's some more oversight than that, right? Should be, 
Should be. It ought to be a lot more. It, it seems to me it ought to be a lot more difficult than it appears to be. That's yeah. for sure. Uh, 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 it That's just, for sure. We seem to be handing out a whole boatload of money here lately uh, mm. with, with very, very little oversight. And uh, I mean, from the ARPA funds, you know, the billion dollar ARPA funds that we've just handed out, mm. uh, which I mean, that man, there was a lot of generalizations in those things. Uh, mm. You know, we're this is for broadband. OK, I mean, you know, what I mean? it's like here, here is fifty dollars for household expenses. What, you know, what does that mean? Exactly. Right. right, right. Uh, you know, and uh, and I just I don't know, man, whenever historically, mm-hmm. whenever you put a big stinking wad of cash out in the midst of Alabamians. Because we don't have a whole lot of big stinking wads of cash around here, mm-hmm. there's a whole lot of stuff. Sticky fingers that go into that that pile of cash, mm-hmm. and 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 we typically on the backside two or three years from now, there's a there's something filed somewhere, uh, and I tell you what usually happens is is uh, somebody's brother in law gets a deal, and somebody else's brother in law gets pissed about it, you know, because <laughs> they didn't get the deal, uh, and so they turn each other in. Uh, back and forth, and and that's what usually. And so I'm waiting on that to occur. I got to tell you, there's a whole lot of money that's gone into this broadband expansion, and uh-huh. and I there's no way, there's no way that some of that hadn't been hadn't hadn't been some bad deals. But uh-huh. uh, you know, I I just bad deals meaning what though? I uh, just meaning a lot of. Uh, a, a lot of a lot of payment for very little work or very little uh, 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 return on the investment. I'll say, uh, um, and, and whether or not we get to actual illegalities, uh, you know, there or fraud of some sorts, I, I don't know that. But uh, I think there there will probably be some stories along the way somewhere where we find out that one company, uh, you know, was was laying broadband line down for about a thousand dollars a foot or something along those lines, and. Uh, so, you know, I, and I, I wouldn't doubt that at all, but it's a, um, I just, man, yeah, a billion here, a billion there. Where the hell did we get all these billions? And when did we decide that we didn't need to look after them? Yeah. Yeah. All good questions, man. All good questions. And it seems like to me, the people that should be at the forefront of saying that and raising these questions and making sure that we're accountable, uh, are involved. I yeah. really believe they're involved in some kind of way. And I, and I don't, you know, again, I'm not, I'm not saying they're straight up thieves, mm-hmm. but something just doesn't feel right, smell right, taste right with this yeah. situation. No, you're right. The money spigot is pouring and there's a whole lot of people drinking. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. All right. Let's uh, let's slide out. Uh, we'll come back, uh, get uh, best-selling author uh, Kwame Alexander uh, in here and uh, talk to him about uh, his work, his work uh, and on a variety of fronts and some of those uh, some of those books of his that have been banned. Uh, children's mm. books. We're banning children's books now. So yeah. uh, it's the world we're living in. Uh, billion dollar prisons and banned children's books. Mm. We'll be back in just a minute. Alabama politics this week. Uh, if y'all would do us a favor and uh, go, to, if you're on Apple Podcasts, go and rate and review 
our little podcast here. Uh, that would be very, very helpful for us. Um, you know, people might pay us to do this. Well, <laughs> you never know. Yeah, but yeah, but let's not stop at Apple. Also, uh, you can do the same thing on Google Play, Amazon, yeah. and some of the more Android-friendly, uh, you know, platforms oh, as well. I forget that Dave is an Android guy. I am. <laughs> Me, I'm a conformist. And so, you know, go to Apple. But seriously, wherever you go, just do it. Just, just go and, and rate and review, and, and that would be very nice. Unless you're going to leave a bad one. Don't do, don't do that. Josh doesn't like that. Don't leave a bad one. Thank you. All righty. Welcome back. Alabama Politics This Week. Josh Moon, David Person. And we are really happy now to have with us uh, author, best-selling author, uh, Kwame Alexander, uh, written a number of, of children's books, uh, some of which apparently we're banning now, uh, I, So, the, which tells me he's a really good children's author. <laughs> so, uh, uh, but uh, Mr. Alexander, I really appreciate you coming on and, and spending some time with us today. Oh, my pleasure to be here. Anytime I get to talk about books, I love it. <laughs> right. Well, and, and, but you're not, uh, it's not just books, right? Uh, you've also uh, written some poems. I know you've worked with the Southern Poverty Law Center. Uh, you're going to actually be given, uh, you're, you're given a speech uh, uh, for the for the Southern Poverty Law Center, the Civil Rights uh, Memorial Center, uh, right? And, and, and written a, a poem after the after the death of George Floyd. Uh, and the and the conviction of the police officers in that, uh, it's so you're 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 writing all sorts of stuff, right? Yeah, you know I'm a big fan of bringing together community through language and literature. And what we did with the Southern Poverty Law Center, what we do on national public radio, is we ask listeners, we ask people to to create their own poems about various themes and topics that matter whether it be about social justice, about equality. Um, and, and once all these you know, poems come, come in, then I take those poems and create this sort of one community poem, pulling lines from this person or words from this author and try to create you know, one sort of beautiful uh, montage of voices around America to really showcase how words can bring us together. Man, that's that is that's really that's really great. It really is, uh, really, really, really is. It is is touching and great. And that, you know, and you, yeah, you know, I wanted to kind of start, I guess, with with actually got some of the books and uh, uh, one one of your books, uh, the crossover. Uh, believe you're working with uh, uh, one of my favorite athletes of all time, LeBron James, uh, to to produce a Disney Plus show, um, and then uh, the Undefeated uh, was one of yours, and I believe it's been banned. Is that is that right? Because that's really kind of what I wanted to get into was was I wanted you to talk about the work that you've done, uh, sp- specifically the children's books and the importance that you you, you bring you, you believe those have in in uh, in our society, and then to see that work then be banned by people and how that kind of affects you. You know, it's a good question. I don't spend a lot of time thinking about people who have very little imagination when it comes to the power of literature to transform young minds. I've seen it. I've been to a thousand schools over the past 10 years. I got two kids. I know what poetry and literature has done for me. 
to engage me, to inspire me, to empower me. So when people talk about, you know, maybe one of my books is banned, for instance, that happened in, in Texas, in a district in Texas. I found out that a book that I had written called The Undefeated was banned. And so I was asked, well, what do you think about that? I don't think anything about it. I flew down to Texas. I flew to the district. I went, I made contact with the librarian who I knew was a fan. And I asked, could I visit her class to read from the crossover? And of course, the crossover is the book that I, that you mentioned is going to be a TV series on Disney plus. I produced it with LeBron James. It has not been banned. And most, you know, students love this book. I've sold millions of copies. So I went into the school and said, I'm going to read from the crossover. And when I got there, the kids loved it. And after I read from the crossover, I pulled out the undefeated, the book that was banned. And I read it to the students and they loved it. And the teachers saw how engaged they were and how it wasn't going to make any particular white kid feel guilty. It wasn't going to create negative feelings. Ultimately, books, poems, language, literature, when it's done right, it brings us all together. It makes us feel like we are one community, like we're all connected, like we're empathetic for each other, to each other. And that's all we want. We want to be able to create and nurture beautiful human beings. And that's what I try to do with my books. Man, I love it. Um, And, you know, of course, we, Josh and I also write, we're not children's books authors, but we're columnists. And we've been writing columns for newspapers inside and outside of Alabama for two or three decades, I guess, collectively. Um, Writing is a powerful tool. You know it, we know it. Um, And I I guess I wonder, uh, even though it's it's a very powerful tool and it's a skill, there is a little um, intuitiveness that come play when you're writing. And so I wonder to what extent in the back of your mind, when you think about what you're trying to do and what you believe your, your mission is, uh, how, you, how you balance it out with the noise, you know, the noise of people, you know, suggesting that your books are doing something that they're not doing and, 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 and being critical in ways that, you know, go beyond just uh, what I would call acceptable artistic critiques and, and more into motives and innuendo and that sort of thing. Wow, David, you making it way more deep, man. I, 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 <laughs> hey, look, I probably need to give it some more thought because I don't think about any of that, but it's valid. What you're saying is valid. Here's what I think about Josh and David. I think about, is this book going to be entertaining? Is it going to be a page turner? Is it going to make my reader want to turn to the last page? I think about, am I offering something inspirational? Is there something in this book that is going to inspire, that's going to make you feel something that you weren't necessarily feeling before you picked it up? Is there something in this book that's ultimately empowering? Like, is this book going to make you then want to go out and become a willing participant in the world? Look, my mission is to change the world one word at a time. I know that I'm not going to be able to do that if you don't finish my book. So ultimately, regardless of whatever type of message or inspiration I'm trying to offer, I got to write a page turner. I got to write something that's interesting. Look, my professor in college was a woman named Nikki Giovanni. 
And I took her Ooh. classes for three years at Virginia Tech. Wow. And David, she told me, I remember she gave me a C in class and I was livid. And I went to her, I went to her office and I was like, what's up with the C? And she said, Kwame, I can teach you how to write, but I cannot teach you how to be interesting. Mm. Uh, wow that, that, those were some fighting words but yeah. when i when i look back on it that's what i learned man i gotta walk through life and be able to tell my story my story matters i gotta share it in a way that's gonna be you know all those things i said engaging inspiring empowering so that's what i think about last thing i think about is do i love this story because if i don't love it it's, it's probably you know assured that you're not gonna love it well, look, man, if you got Nikki Giovanni uh, <laughs> talking smack to you about your writing, I don't think any other noise is going to matter. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. There you go. <laughs> but, but let me ask you this. Um, you, you, you co-produced this TV series with uh, LeBron James. I think that's so exciting. And that's just one more reason that I'm a big LeBron James fan you know, looking at what he does with his resources and his platform. How did that come to be? How did you end up hooking up with LeBron James? Well, the crossover, my 15th book and my first novel for young people was rejected by 22 publishers. And finally, after five years, Houghton Mifflin Harcourt decided they were interested and they wanted to publish it. A year later, it won this award called the Newberry Medal, which is for the it's an award for the most distinguished contribution to American literature for children. And when that happened, the book came on the radar of every Hollywood studio and producer there was. So I kind of had my you know, I had a lot of interest. And early on, LeBron's company, Spring Hill Entertainment, that's his film and TV company. They expressed some interest. And naturally, because he's my favorite player, not just because of what he does on the floor, but like you intimated, what he does off the floor with his money, with his resources, that, you know, I knew that I really wanted to work with him. So that's how that happened. Yeah, the Newberry Award is definitely, I guess, I think that's the most prestigious award, right, for children's books? The most Look prestigious? Look, you can say it, David. I don't want to pat myself on the back, but yeah, you're right. You're right. Speak on it. <laughs> oh, I love that, man. That's, That's very a, cool. Yeah. Josh, I just want to ask him one other thing. Sure. Did you actually interact directly with LeBron? Did he actually have notes for you uh, on anything? Or, or, or any? did you guys have any interaction as it relates to the direct interaction as it relates to the creation of the series? David, now you're all up in my business. We don't, we don't know each other like that. I don't know you like that, David. I will say this. Um, LeBron, LeBron's company is, you know, highly invested in creating, you know, media projects that are going to uplift our community and that are great stories. And his company has been intimately involved from the very beginning. And there's no way we, you know, we could have been able to bring this TV series to the screen, you know, without without what they bring to the table um, and what he brings to the table. Uh, listen, I, I think what David is trying to ask and really what I'm trying to ask as well is, could you get us some tickets? 
Uh, yeah, four, side, hey. four, four seats would be great. I mean, hey, look, they don't have to be, you know. Look, I'm going to tell you this. About, <laughs> about last fall, maybe November, right. me and the co-showrunner of the crossover, Damani Johnson, we were on the floor at the Lakers game. What? We got four seats. And, and, Le- and Bron was sitting right next to us. He was on my right. Like, I could reach out and touch him. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, 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 I don't know uh, if I can get you tickets, but, yeah, it's great. <laughs> well, well, I feel good for you, I guess. Uh, you know. I, yeah, I, I do wanted to go back real quick and, and I, I, to something that you said because it, it, it struck something with me. And because I feel the – I think, I think if, I'm, if I'm hearing you right, I feel kind of the exact same way because I'll write something from time to time. And, and I'll get an email from someone who says, listen, I love the way you, you constructed this and this, you know, and the, uh, the imagery that you, you chose to use for this and that. And I'm thinking the whole time I'm reading that email. Man, I just wrote this stuff down. <laughs> you know, I didn't. That's how I wasn't thinking about. It. I thought this was a good. I got mad about something, and I wrote a column about this. You know, and uh, and so it it it. But I think that to me is is the best writing is is when it's something that you know strikes something within you, and 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 it makes you feel something when you're writing it down. And and that's where I think the best written work, whether it be children's books or poetry or newspaper columns or whatever, I think that's where that comes from. And, I, and so I guess what I'm saying is, do you feel the same way uh, or did I hear that wrong? Absolutely. Think about it like this. If you if you write in a cookbook and you want people to enjoy the meals, you got to test out the recipes. The food's got to taste good to you. Right. So you think about it, whatever we're writing, we're writing recipes for our lives. We're writing recipes for how to enjoy ourselves. We're writing recipes for how to walk through life and feel like, you know, like door, like books are like ways for us to open a world of possible. And so the, the recipe for doing that, we got to believe in it as writers before we can share it with readers so that they can then believe in it. So absolutely. Yeah, yeah, well, listen, I, I really, and David as well, I know uh, we really appreciate you, you coming and, and spending some time uh, with us. And, uh, you know, I, I, and I know that we got you coming right off the stage. You're giving us a, a speech and you're busy and uh, you got probably LeBron's waiting on you to go out. And, <laughs> hey, hey Brown, uh, I'll be right there. I'll be right there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but... Before before we get you out of here, uh, yeah, I, I just is there in the in the current environment? We've seen the pictures of the empty bookshelves in in Florida. We've seen we've heard the stories. We've seen the school board fights. We've seen this. When, when you see these things taking place, uh, you see the the overall environment that we're living in, where we're telling people that you can't read this because it's going to make these white kids be uncomfortable. Uh, and I think we all know how untrue that is. What 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 strikes you? I mean, what what do you feel about that? What do you what do you say to people? I want those championing freedom, the patriots of peace, the ones who march into our schools, handcuff our history, hold our imaginations hostage, the so-called American dreamers. I want them to uncage their hearts, to cast off their chains of fear to remember the bedtime stories that comforted them, 
when nightmares chase sleep away, to remember the first grade teachers who read them pictured fables that showed them how to love each other and planted the seeds of possibility that blossomed into their becoming, to remember how hopeful it felt to be held by their mother's songs and poems on nights when thunder ravaged the sky. I want them to know that banning a book is like banning a hug, and that's a dismal storm no child should be left behind in. Mm. That was uh, poetic, lyrical. Uh, loved it. We, gonna, we might as well end the show. Yeah. Us. Who's going to follow that? Yeah. Uh, so listen. Uh, Mic drop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, Kwame Alexander. He's going to be at the Civil Rights Memorial Center uh, Friday. That's, uh, well, we're recording this on Thursday. And, uh, so it'll be today when this thing uh, comes out. Uh, and listen, go and see him buy the books. Make sure you buy the band ones first uh, Ooh, and give yeah. them to everybody that you can. Kwame, really, we appreciate you coming and spending some time and for, for everything that you do and, and spreading it around and making the world a little brighter place. Appreciate you all. Thank you. Thank Thanks, you. brother. Uh, it was Kwame Alexander. Man, that's, uh, I I don't even know why I'm still talking. I really don't. <laughs> yeah, that was a mic drop for sure. Talking. Yeah, that's yeah, a mic drop. Yeah. Right, let's, let's get out of here. We'll come back. We'll wrap this thing up here in just a minute. Alabama Politics This Week, back in a minute. If you're hearing my voice, that means you are a fan of Alabama politics this week. And I want to tell you how grateful I am that you listen and that you're engaged with what Josh and I talk about every week. So I want to ask you to continue listening and uh, continue to support us and definitely reach out with ideas, comments, suggestions. Uh, Your support makes a difference and it means a lot. All righty. Welcome back. Alabama politics this week. Josh Moon, David Person. Our thanks to Mr. Alexander for uh, spending a little time. Um, yeah, we wanted to move on and, and get uh, it is March Madness time. As a matter of fact, the uh, the tournament has uh, started. Uh, we record this on Thursday and there are a couple mm-hmm. of games being played as we speak. And uh, uh, and the favorite, the overall number one seed in this tournament is the University of Alabama. Uh, great Great basketball season for them. Great team. Probably the best uh, best overall team, uh, and maybe from the state of Alabama ever, but certainly, you know, although the, the Auburn team should have won a national championship a couple of years ago, um, I'm not sure – I'm not sure that that team was as good as this one. They had a star player as well, and and some very good uh, supporters on that, uh, so a supporting cast on that team. But I'm not sure anybody is as good as uh, Brandon Miller is, and and that Alabama basketball team. But mm. but, um, as we have covered previously, they've they've got some issues, uh, mm. some some pretty serious issues around the death of a, of a young mother and. Um, you know, and, and, and the family, she fr- was from Birmingham, um, and, uh, Jamia Harris, right. That was her, her name yeah. was, uh, and, uh, you know, her family is still there. So they're being now inundated because that's where the first round of the tournament for both Alabama and Auburn, uh, kicks off today is in, in Birmingham. Uh, they're going to be at the BJCC at the legacy arena playing. And, um, and so, you know, this week has been particularly tough for the Harris family. Uh, and, uh, because, you know, now this team 
Uh, and if you're unfamiliar uh, with, with the story overall, one of the players on the team uh, provided a handgun to another player, or to another, I'm sorry, not to a player. Let me be clear. They provided a handgun to a friend of his who is not on the basketball team. And that friend of his uh, shot up a car in which Harris was seated in uh, the passenger seat. It was her boyfriend's car. And they had been the boyfriend and some of the folks that were around Darius Miles, who was on the Alabama basketball team and has since been arrested for his role. Uh, he and a friend of his, they had gotten to an argument with the boyfriend and the shooting started. And of course, an, an innocent bystander was, and Harris was struck and killed. And um, as we've come to find out, there are, uh, you know, there was at the scene was Darius Miles, who, who had texted Brandon Miller uh, to bring the gun uh, Darius, it was Darius Miles' gun. It was, had been left in Miller's car uh, when they were out earlier. Miller brought the gun to the scene, uh, then uh, waited at the scene while this was going down uh, to the point that his car got shot up twice. Um, and apparently the New York Times reported last night that there is now a, uh, well, there was already a, another player who, whose car was there at the scene too that was not involved in the shooting. And now there's now a fourth player, uh, that a walk-on player who was also there and uh, apparently in the passenger seat, according to the New York Times, although the University of Alabama sort of refutes that. Uh, it said the story was inaccurate, but according to the information we have, which I got to say, uh, given that they didn't have half this damn information to, from the very start of this thing, according to them, I don't know that we can necessarily rely on the information that the university has at any point in this. Mm. Um, so uh, all of that to say, they kicked Darius Miles off the team when he was arrested for murder. Pretty easy call there. Nobody else has been punished for this. And, and we know that because Nate Oates has said so. Mm -hmm. um, a matter of fact, called Miller's involvement in this wrong place, wrong time. Okay? Which is an idiotic thing to say to the guy who brought the gun to the murder. Okay? Yeah. So, okay. So let me let me jump in. Because there, okay, uh, there, there's a um, ESPN did a uh, I think a pretty thorough job of reporting on this mm -hmm. at some point slightly, slightly differ from uh, the, uh, the, the, the timeline that you laid out. Uh, okay. One point where there's a, a difference is that the, the ESPN report said that Miller drove, indeed did bring the car to Miles and this other guy, the guy who I think actually is accused of actually pulling the trigger, and I, I'm drawing a blank on his name right now. Yeah, I think but, Davis was his name. Davis, okay. Um, but but the ESPN report said that Davis, I think it was, and and Miles were they actually did the searching for the gun in the car. Apparently, it was the way this report. Mm -hmm. uh, described it. It was like the not just you know it wasn't like Brandon Miller handed him a bag or handed him a weapon and said here. It right. was like they had to dig around, scrummage around through a trunk, and and the way that as I understand, well, it was in the back seat, mm -hmm. right in the back seat. Uh, yeah, it may have been back seat. I said trunk. It may have been back seat mm -hmm. that they said. I'm trying. I'm, I'm going off of memory now of what the report said. But I know they had to they had to sort of uh, 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 
you know, kind of uh, root around to try to find it. But um, Mm -hmm. the other thing that I think is notable is that uh, in the ESPN report, and they're, of course, getting this, I think, from from, uh, uh, Miller's lawyer. Um, So, you know, take it with a grain of salt or whatever. But uh, they were suggesting that Miller did not know why, uh, what what the call really was about. He really didn't know what he was getting into when he when he drove them there. Now I'm not saying that's true, but I'm just saying mm-hmm. that 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 my re- recollection of the report is that that's what they were trying to suggest was that yeah. he that's that's that he had a level said, yeah. of ignorance about what was really going on, and they mm-hmm. also suggested that uh in that report that he that he and a and a young woman i believe left the scene uh before mm. they were shooting and met up with them later or something so i don't know there's some mm. well his car got shot okay. up twice so, so there, had, there was definitely some shooting going okay. on because well. he his car got hit twice uh yeah. but hey, here's um all right let, let me let me be clear Brandon Miller does not need to go to jail. Brandon Miller does not is not an accessory to murder. Okay, I, I don't believe that that that, and I believe that it's fully likely that when he brought the gun there to the scene, he did not expect there to be shooting. Uh, you know, to the point maybe he thought he was going to just use it for protection, whatever. However, what I don't I, believe for that's a what second. This suggested. Yeah. I don't believe for a second that he didn't know that there was a fight going on. All right. I believe that he knew full well that they were they they were into an argument with this cat over this girl. Uh, mm-hmm. and and I and they had a conversation at the car window that was recounted by the Tuscaloosa police about the gun itself. He knew the gun was in the car. He knew that's the reason he was bringing it there was because there was an argument that had been taking place. He may not have anticipated actually somebody firing the gun, but right. he told the person, uh, Miles, that there was one in the chamber. All right. He used a different mm. terminology, but according to yeah. the police officer under yeah. testimony, he told him yeah. there's one in the chamber, uh, yeah. basically. Um, yeah. So, I also think there was a term, too, that was used, something called, yeah. uh, I think it's the term stunning or something like that. Uh, yeah, there were there was a whole lot of terminology that was used be, in there that I felt yeah. like I was, you know, I just finished Snowfall. So I felt like I was pretty well up on the <laughs> vernacular of things, but I just was lost. Apparently, life moves a little faster than than, uh, than my TV watching. Uh, so uh, I was a little bit lost. Uh, yeah, well, on, you know. and, and, yeah, well, yeah, I think I think the term used that I heard used in the ESPN report was stunning. Like he, he expected um, he expected maybe a gun to be maybe flashed mm-hmm. to say, yo, you need to yeah, step yeah, off. Yeah. yeah. Something like that. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I, and, and that could have been OK. And that, yeah. but. And see, this this makes my point on this to uh, to a large because I here here's what I want people to to take from this is look at how this has been handled at the University of Alabama. Now look at how the NBA and the Memphis Grizzlies have handled Ja Morant. 
Okay, who did? Who is? You know, we we've heard the stories. I don't know if everybody else I know is a political podcast. So John Morant's a star player there with the Grizzlies. Grizzlies. Uh, he he was seen on an Instagram live flashing a gun while out at a club. He's made a some other club. Re- yeah. Yeah, a strip club. Strip uh, made, club. Made Shirtless. some other. Yeah, made some other ridiculous. Uh, yeah. I don't know if he was working at the strip club, but uh, and so uh, <laughs> I don't think he was working. <laughs> I don't think so either. No, he doesn't need the money. Uh, but no, no, so. No. He's made some other props, some other comments about things, yeah. you know. And so the NBA, mm-hmm. you know, the Grizzlies suspended him. Uh, the NBA has stepped in. They sent him through some counseling. Uh, mm-hmm. He's been out for the last two weeks um, uh, of, of the, this season. Uh, you know, and the Grizzlies are very a very very good team. Uh, mm-hmm. Okay, and and Morant's one of these rising stars of the NBA. Could if he would, you know, keep himself well, on this path. Yeah. Would be would be one of the biggest stars of the NBA. Yeah, I think I think it's probably fair to say at this point he is a bona fide superstar. He's yeah. not. Uh, he just doesn't have the years in yet. But he's yeah, being in Memphis hurts him a little bit in that standing mm-hmm. as well. You know, I, so, I think being in Memphis, you know, a relatively oh, small Memphis, market. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you yeah. know, I think that that hurts him a little bit. But yes, yeah. he he is a star. If he were in LA playing right now, he would be a superstar. Okay, yeah, but he's, being he's, in Memphis, I think people are just still he, trying to you know put him on. You don't see him with right. the endorsements like like some of the others have well, he, and stuff. Well, but he dominates. I mean, I'm I'm yeah. a big fan of I'm a big fan of NBA Today on ESPN, mm-hmm. and he dominates the discussions on that show. Yeah. I mean, yeah. he's just he's just that that spectacular player. But your point is, the NBA has handled him mm-hmm. in such a way where it is unequivocal. And he and by the way, you know, he didn't fire a gun. He right. didn't fire no, no. no, he didn't do. Yeah. He didn't do anything. He didn't do All anything. he did was flash yeah. Instagram flash video and, at a strip club without yeah. a shirt on, and the NBA was like, yeah. "Oh, dude, you got to sit down." Yes, and here's here's yeah. why. Here's why they've done it. Okay, it's because number one, John Morant is a million, you know, dollar multi million dollar right. investment for them. Okay, he brings them lots of money, um, and they are concerned about his future. Mm-hmm. As that mm-hmm. star, as that earner mm-hmm. for them, okay. And I, so I'm not saying that this is out of the goodness of the right. NBA's heart, or you know, the, you know. Adam, although I think Adam Silver is generally a guy that cares about sure. the players, sure. so uh, to, to that degree, uh, maybe in some cases more than he should. Uh, maybe he should, you know. I think he's way, way to that end of the spectrum versus where David Stern mm-hmm. once was. But uh, regardless, he is an investment. You know, he, this is a guy that's going to return money to the NBA, mm-hmm. and so they are concerned about him. So they send him. These are these are all the things you do when you're concerned like that about somebody. Is you set them down, you talk to them, you send them to counseling, you you help them see that this is not the right path. Alabama has no investment in Brandon Miller. All right, what he brings them is winning right now today because they know next year he ain't going to be there. All right, and so because of that, they've sold his ass out. Is what they've done. They've done everything that they shouldn't have done with this kid, all right? They have set him up to fail in the future with this by not taking a stance and saying, hey, let's sit down for a little bit. Let's send Brandon to counseling. Let's make sure that he understands the pathway that this could lead to, what this could do to damage him in the future, how this is going to cost him endorsements in the future, Hell, how this could cost him his life and his freedom in the future if he continues to mess around with this dumb mm-hmm. shit. Okay, Mm -hmm. because that's what this is. This is dumb shit. 
This is a dumb Saturday night, stupid argument in a bar over a girl that was not your girlfriend to begin with. And now you're in a parking lot shoot or in a road somewhere shooting at people. Okay. And your car is getting shot up and you're talking, you're using, you know, this language about one in the chamber or whatever in the hell it is to bring a gun to a kid that was drunk to a teammate that was drunk and you knew was drunk and over a fight, over a stupid fight. Stop it. You've got to be better than that. Right. You've got to make smarter decisions. And it is Alabama's responsibility. The, the adults at Alabama, it is their responsibility to take him aside and say, we're going we're gonna to put your future over our current winning right now. Okay. And they didn't have to sacrifice the season. I'm not saying that. They shouldn't set him forever, but they should have taken some time for him and the other players involved in this to say, this is not what we're going to okay. do. Okay. So now let me now, and I don't disagree with any of that, but I do believe that you and I have both committed a cardinal sin with our right. conversation, which is we started talking about Jamia Harris, and we got oh, yeah. way away from Jamia Harris <laughs> and her family. Yeah, and I think that's yeah. a cardinal sin, and it's it, and it's and it's one that 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 we need to be chastised for. But I think it's, you know, I'm not saying it's not, I'm not saying that we're evil, but I'm just saying Mm -hmm. that I think that we, it's easy to get caught up in all of the other aspects of this thing and forget that at the center of this, the focal point really should be an innocent young woman who was the mother of, a, I think, a five-year-old little boy. Is dead. Yes, and yes. So you're you're right. And and not only is she dead, Josh, but the family is saying that nobody from the University of Alabama has reached out to them. They're saying nobody's reached out. That's yeah. That see, that's that's what I'm saying. The, The whole thing has been dropped. I will say, okay, I will say, I think that if you've taken the right approach to this, okay. It, you can you can say to people because I, th- I think this is true. I think this is true. There 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 was a bad thing that happened. Okay, and there we're never going to be able to erase that. But what we can do is we can take this small group of people that we have control over, uh, the people that we have influence over, and we can show them how their actions led to this. And how and how if they continue down this pathway and they do similar things, that similar results will occur. And if we can stop that, then we've done what is it within our power to stop these things from happening. Okay, to 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 help alleviate this in the future. And at the same time, yeah, somebody needs to reach the hell out to that family and say, you know, know, it's this terrible thing that happened. You know, we're going to offer counseling services to you at our expense. Um, you know, whatever you would like, we will we'll set up a scholarship fund for her son uh, for the University of Alabama to make sure that his future college is paid for here. Uh, we're going to do everything we can. That stuff is a, a it, it's not an expensive endeavor. It's not admitting fault. It's not anything. It's just the right thing to do. And I think you can do all of that. Mm-hmm. I like the I love the idea of setting up a scholarship for the child. Um, <clears throat> I love the idea of providing counseling and, you know, uh, for the family, uh, which would include the child. 
And I believe that even more could be done and should be done because this boy is going to grow up without his mother. This 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 family's going to grow up is going to continue on without their daughter without their daughter. <clears throat> and um while the University of Alabama is not at fault as an institution sure, sure. for what happened, the University of Alabama does bear responsibility because these young men, when you know, once they take on put on that uniform, they represent the university. Yeah. They yes. represent the university on court and they represent the university off court. And so that makes the university culpable for their actions. And yep. the university should step up in a major way. I, I wish there was a, I personally, I think the university ought to offer, and I don't, and I mean, I'm sure that this would, isn't a simple thing that I'm suggesting, but I think the university ought to offer them some financial compensation yep. for the loss of her life. You know, beyond a scholarship for the child. Um, I just think this is a horrible thing that has happened and should not have happened. And 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 then as you have said, Josh, the university needs to go above and beyond, you know, training and um and whatever, you know, policies and practices need to be instituted so that these young men can know that if you're going to be on this basketball team, you got to leave that thug foolishness alone. Yeah, yeah. you got to think... step away from the street life, bro. Yeah, you got to do it. That's and that's, they've got to assist know. them on this. It's not. Yeah. This is not an easy thing for some no. young people. No, you know, it's not because they, you know, it's the world that they come from. It may be the world that they have lived in in their own families. Yeah, but the university has got to open its eyes and say, for whatever time. These young men are going to be representing us. We've got to provide them with a support system so that they move away from street life and find other ways to live and to cope with living. Yeah, I I, I agree. I agree a hundred percent. I think that's the 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 one thing that uh, that they can do that makes a real difference uh, out of this uh, is that uh, you know is is to put is to show people that you know we actually do give a damn about the players here you know mm-hmm. because that's honestly you know out of all this that's the thing that strikes me the most is it just seems like they don't really care about these kids and uh, I just I, I I can't believe that that's true I don't you know I know it's a unique situation and everybody's trying to do whatever but it, it's you know, this has been handled so very poorly. It's it's honestly amazing. Which, um, and you know, another awful situation uh, for for mothers is our right wing nut for this week. Ooh. Um, Ooh. Uh, you know, I, <laughs> South yeah, Carolina, man. Mm. What what are y'all doing? It. I don't understand it, Josh. Uh, the Republicans in South Carolina in the South Carolina legislature have presented a bill that basically would allow for a person, which would be a, you know, a a woman um, uh, who gets an abortion to be eligible for the death penalty. So what they're actually saying is that, um, 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 they're gonna kill mothers. Yeah, yeah, they're gonna kill mothers, and they're going to uh, penalize them um, 
with the very same thing that they're saying is wrong, right? So mm-hmm. you're saying you're saying it's wrong for these mothers to take a life. Yeah. And then you're saying uh the solution to that is to yeah. execute a woman or to or to make her eligible for execution yeah. if she has taken her life. There's so many things that are wrong with that. And 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 I want to start with with one that that should be obvious but I think is really the reason that we continue to have a, a problem with this abortion debate in our country. I don't I've never understood just the logic of equating the life of a fully grown person. And I'm saying this as a parent and mm-hmm. you're a parent. Mm-hmm. But you're equating the life of a fully grown person and not just the life but the um the the I guess I'll say the the cognizance of life mm-hmm. of a fully grown person to that of a fertilized egg mm-hmm. or you know because that's what I think this bill is calling for mm-hmm. but in other cases in other in other debates it's not a fertilized egg but it's what we call a fetus right what kind of sense does that make. We don't do that with we don't do that with children when they come out of the womb. No. We don't say that that child out of the womb has the same rights and privileges as their parent. Mm-hmm. We don't say that the 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 child that just comes out of the womb has all of the 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 uh the the capabilities to and and, and awareness of living and decision making as this as this parent does. Nobody would look at you, Josh, or your wife, and say uh, that your your little sweet your little sweet girl, as cute and sweet as she may be, uh, that that she has all of the rights, privileges, and abilities that you and your wife have. How could that's not even logical? And yet, that's what we do yeah. in essence with this kind of thinking. It's just it's it's ridiculous. You know, you're no 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 judge is going to say. Well, Josh, your daughter says she wants to drive. It doesn't matter that she's five. Let her drive. You should be letting her drive. You know, <laughs> right. you should be it's letting just... her drink alcohol. Yeah. You yeah, know, right? you should be letting her go. You know, that's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's um, it's it's beyond ridiculous. All right. This whole this whole thing is so is so absurd. All right. It, it's one of those things. It's, it's kind of, I'm, I'm going to tell you on a, on a lesser scale. So, so I can make the point at here. It, it, it's, it's like the gambling debate in this state. Okay. It's these people are, well, we don't want gambling here. Well, what are you talking about? You know, you already got gambling here. It's like, it's the same way with this thing where we pretend that we don't know stuff. Okay. We pretend like it's still 1960 or 1970 and we don't have these medical advancements that tell us these things. And so we know and we have an understanding of when uh, this fetus actually becomes a human being and, and, and has human being characteristics that we would associate with an actual person, uh, right. you know, the feeling and all, all these you know, neurological things that happen. We know this right. stuff, okay? Right, right. That we know these things. Why? Yeah. And we pretend as though we don't. Oh, just a mystery. Oh, I don't know. You know, it's so, <laughs> it's so ridiculous that we, we run around doing this and, and, and right. saying these things. It just is, it's off the charts insanity, uh, you know. And so to now take this and, and say, even if this lady is a, a woman is raped by somebody, 
and and forced, you know, uh, the pregnancy is forced upon her that if she wants to get rid of that and and to not have that, to not have that child, that rape child, you know, we're gonna you're gonna put her to death. Yeah, I mean, stop it. It's astounding. It's, it's, it's it, it is it's it is astounding. playing on people's emotions. It, it's it that's all this is. It's the the killing babies uh, nonsense is playing on people's uh, emotions. The same way with all of this rhetoric, most of it from the right, where, where they where they talk about the you know the partial birth abortions and all this stuff, and 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 they forget that ninety nine point nine 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 percent of any abortion that occurs after uh, the first few weeks of pregnancy, which is where all, almost all of them occur, but any of those other ones almost. Every single one to a large degree. I mean, I'm talking about there's a minuscule amount of them that don't fall into this category are done because there is a threat to the mother or because there is serious deformity that is causing pain and agony to the child and the child will not survive outside the womb. That is why almost every single one is done. And those decisions that that you're inserting yourself into these heartbreaking, gut-wrenching things that these families go through and then casting them as villains in this stupid play that you have going on in your mind because you're all fucked up and you don't know what the hell real life is, Mm. you know, is so absurd. And now you're making laws about it to where you're going to try to kill people over this. It's so stupid. The one, the one, uh, pardon me, the one exception to the lunacy of the South Carolina legislative Republican uh, uh, or legislatures, legislators in the Republican Party seems to be uh, a woman named Nancy May. She's a state representative down there. And um, she uh, is described as a um a woman a mom and a victim of rape mm. and she is saying that uh, i'm just going to quote her to see this debate go to the dark places the dark edges where it has gone on both sides of the aisle has been deeply disturbing to me as a woman as a female legislator late legislator as a mom and as a victim of rape and she's basically saying that at the very least this bill should do just what you were talking about, Josh. It ought to provide exceptions for rape and incest. That's, that's I mean, at the very, I mean, if you're going to ban abortion, which I think, I mean, everybody can tell you and I are against that. Mm-hmm. But if you're going to ban abortion, then at the very least, you know, your your, your, your fundamental idea should be that women who have been, as you said earlier, raped or or, ch- or or girls who are victims of incest, they ought to be accepted from that. That should be a no-brainer. That should be a no-brainer. Uh, yeah. And, and you know what? Don't act like it's an oversight either. You know, because some people will do that. They'll act like this was an oversight. There's, there's no oversight at this point. We, there, there have been, been 10,000 of these bills. There's probably been 1,000 of them written in South Carolina about banning abortion, okay, over the course of the years, well before Roe v. Wade was overturned, when they, that was all just a pipe dream, and we didn't know that we actually would have a Supreme Court corrupt enough to do it. Um, and so we, we know that where, where everybody lies in this, okay? And you not including rape and incest is, is a conscious decision at this point, okay? You know it is. You know it is. We know it is. And so it means that you don't give a shit about the women 
that you represent. That, and honestly, I, well, I tell you what it actually says to me is you know full well that this bill has zero chance of passing, of getting anywhere. All right. Man, you're only doing it to grandstand uh, on this issue and draw attention to yourselves. You think it really doesn't have a chance? I I think if they wanted to do that. Well, first of all, I don't think they could do it at at any point. I don't think that that even Republicans with this. uh, Let me tell you what will happen. This bill will run out of time. All right. It'll it'll Mm -hmm. run out of time. Well, we wanted to get to that thing, but it ran out of time over Mm -hmm. in the other house. Okay, but this okay. is drawing attention to a to a handful of crazies. I'm assuming this is in the House over mm. in South Carolina, yeah. and so you've got 20 House members, 21 House members, or whatever. And I guarantee you, they are some of the most batshit insane people that you'll ever meet in your life that you wouldn't trust to water your plants while you were on vacation. <laughs> okay, uh, so that's why all it is is that they're doing this, and somebody upstairs has said, "Okay, you can go ahead and do this dumb shit. Uh, don't expect it to pass, uh, but." Make sure, and then they've told whoever wrote the thing, make sure that it doesn't include rape and incest, so we'll all have an out if we need to actually vote on this thing or vote against it. And mm. so, and they'll be able, so that'll give the the moderates an out to say, if it had rape, if it had exceptions for that, then we would do so, but we're just not going to be able to do it. So, you know, I, that that's what this, it's, it's a game, you know, it's a game that they played for years that they never expected to win, like the dog chasing the car. Um, and, you know, and, and then finally Alito said, well, here's the car, uh, you know, and, um, and so, yeah, you had all of these, you, now you've well, got all these people scrambling. Uh, well, that's a, what you just described is, is, you know, if that, if that is the thinking there, that's awfully cynical. Uh, it's off. It's, 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 in fact, it's beyond cynical. It's really probably Machiavellian in a, in a way. Uh, but it's at the very least, you know, awfully cynical. Mm-hmm. And, and I hope that you're right. But my concern is that you're wrong. Yeah. And that there actually are people who would, would be very happy if, if a bill like that were passed, you know, so that women would be in fear of uh, of being under the death penalty if uh, if they had an abortion. I, I, I really think that, that that is probably where some people are. They may be on the very fringe, you mm-hmm. know, and, and maybe that'll never come to be, and I hope you're right in that regard, but, uh, but that's my concern. I understand that. Uh, and, and, you know, I... I, uh, I... You know, I, I said for years, I, I thought there was no way, no chance in hell that they would ever overturn uh, Roe v. Wade because they had made too much money off of it. Um, and, um, I, you know, and then you got the right number of religious zealots that were willing to sell out, their, you know, and, and basically commit perjury uh, uh, to, to be able to do so. And, you know, so what do I know? But. I've seen a number of these bills, and maybe this is just the Alabama legislature in me uh, that that has this uh, sort of cynicism, um, and and can and looks at these these grandstanding things and says, you know, I I don't think that's what they're they're actually after. Um, it's kind of like the uh, the immigration bill uh, back in 2011. You know, the intent for most people was never to get themselves boxed into the cor- into a corner on that and have to pass it because they knew what it was going to do. Uh, and, uh, and, but they got themselves, they allowed themselves to be outflanked by really just racist people 
and and they couldn't they couldn't avoid the vote. Uh, you know, they couldn't avoid the. Uh, there was no way that they could stand up and uh, to their people after making such a big to do about the whole thing and avoid voting for it. And they tried to run out the clock even on it, and they couldn't do it. Uh, but you know, it, it's a. I think that that's a similar thing on this. They're they're gonna have a uh, they're 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 just gonna run out of time, I would guess, because it's it's such a heartless and cruel bill, mm-hmm. basically. So, mm-hmm. but anyways, it is. It is. that's where that's where we are uh, with heartless and cruel people running the shows around here. So, hmm. well, you know, but we're not, and we've given you. We are full of compassion. We are. And, and we've given you a fine program, again, for you to listen to and go about your day. And, you know, I, I just, I, we give and we give and we give. And, you know, I, I go on these rants. And y'all people, y'all don't appreciate these rants. You don't appreciate them. <laughs> you don't appreciate how I hold on to all this anger throughout the week, just waiting on this day. Okay. All right. Y'all don't appreciate this. Okay. Uh, uh, all right. Let's not do what. That's what you do. You, you you store it up. I store it up all week long. I, you know, I'm a, I'm a sweet, loving guy all week long, and just as kind, and you know, and I do, and then I just go on these rants on Thursdays and uh, Thursday morning rant. Uh, so you are welcome. Yeah. Uh, no, so all right, let's uh, let's slide out of here. Uh, all right. We'll uh, we'll be back uh, next week. Until then, y'all be safe. Peace.